Hello listeners and welcome to Big Streaming Pile. I am your host Fiona L.F. Kelly. And I am Tom Goldthwait. I hope that that introduction was sufficiently awkward. We got compliments on our awkward introductions and I feel like we've gotten good at it at this point. It was a lot less awkward than usual. Maybe the awkwardness is uh, this part right here where I literally have nothing to say. All right, so we are going to get into our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free 30-day trial membership and audiobook of their choosing. Just go to audibletrial.com slash bigstreamingpile and browse their unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title and start listening. It's as easy as that when you go to audibletrial.com slash bigstreamingpile. Uh, Thank you, Audible, for sponsoring the show. And uh, we have a couple little announcements. Uh, This is our third episode now, so we have two episodes up. Wherever you are listening to this, Spotify, iTunes, um, Stitcher, the weird ones where I sent the RSS feed. I don't know what they all are, but but we're we're everywhere. It's it's pretty exciting. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we upload... New episodes every Thursday. You can follow us on social media. On Twitter, we are at Big Stream Pile because I couldn't fit in Streaming Pile. And uh, on Facebook, we are Big Streaming Pile because I could fit it in on Facebook. And uh, we said at the end of our last episode, uh, we announced the list of movies that we are going to be talking about. And we have since changed the Christmas special. So we're not going to be talking about A Christmas Prince 1 and 2 anymore. We sort of decided that lots of other people had already talked about it, so we wanted to maybe do a something newer or a deeper cut. Yeah, and, and there's also A Christmas Prince 3, the royal baby one, uh, is coming out. I think we were maybe thinking about doing that, but uh, we don't have... The Christmas special is now TBD, is my point. It's probably going to be called, you know, what, like right before we need to record it. But uh, yeah, we'll be putting out new episodes through Christmas time. You can listen to uh, our last episode to hear what the other movies are, because I don't have that list right now. What are you doing? I don't, I don't know. I didn't think to grab the list. But that's all of our announcements. So let's get into the rest of the show. All right. So uh, what's the movie we're talking about today? Today we are talking about Game Over Man. Game Over Man is a Netflix original movie. It was directed by Kyle Newichek. The screenplay is by Anders Holm. And the story is by Anders Holm, Kyle Newichek, Adam Devine, and Blake Anderson. And if those names sound familiar to you, it's because they are the guys from Workaholics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a show that... I do not know anyone who watched, but I have seen the odd episode of Workaholics. Have you ever watched Workaholics? I have seen, like, clips, I think. I don't know if I've sat through a whole episode of Workaholics, but I'm sort of, like, aware of the show and sort of, like, its brand of comedy, I guess. Yeah. Or maybe I'm misled by the clips I've seen, but I think I know what the show is more or less about. Yeah, and it's, like, uh, and Adam Devine is in, like, other stuff now. He's, like, a real, like... Yeah, so yeah, he's become, like, a, a person who matters, I guess. <laughs> yeah, sh- sure. <laughs> Adam Devine, a person who matters. Is um, it Devine or Devine? 
I've been saying divine because I went to grade school with someone who spelled it the same way and said divine, but I actually don't know. So I might be saying it wrong. And if so, apologies to Mr. Devine. <laughs> no, he can he can just uh, go fix how his name is pronounced. Yeah, we're trying to stir up controversy yeah. on the show. Get those listeners. Yeah, by yeah, not yeah. Knowing how to pronounce Adam <laughs> Devine's last name. Um, but yeah, so we're talking about Game Over Man. Oh, so you said you haven't seen Workaholics. Have you seen Die Hard? I have seen Die Hard. Okay, this movie was uh, very similar to Die Hard. Yeah, I mean. We're going to run through the movie here in a second, but more or less it's what you'd expect if the guys from Workaholics made Die Hard. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's how it's always been described to me, and uh, that is how I describe it to other people. Just, you know, they watched Die Hard, and they were like, let's see if Netflix will just let us make Die Hard. And they even referenced Die Hard in the movie. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, very briefly they reference it. But let's get into the synopsis of the film. So it opens up and uh, they are hotel housekeepers, but it's kind of a running gag that everyone calls them maids. So this is uh, Adam Devine slash Devine, Anders Holm, and Blake Anderson are playing this like trio of characters named Alex with three X's, Darren, and Joel. Yeah, which is already a little strange because... I think usually I've seen, like, housekeepers at hotels usually kind of work on their own or, like, with one other person. I've never really seen yeah. three of them just, like, roll through together. Yeah, if it's, like, a suite, I think I've seen, like, two people. Okay. But I, usually it is, in fact, one person. So already we have to suspend disbelief. Yeah, yeah. About this setup. Um, so they are, they're housekeepers and they're always like trying to figure out schemes and stuff like that. And also one of them is addicted to salvia. (laughs) Darren (laughs) is addicted to salvia. Is he addicted or does he just like it? I think it's implied that he was addicted or like he... Is that like a drug that people get addicted to regularly? I could not tell you. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, he certainly, well, he... Well, I mean, like, addiction, so let's let's get into the discussion. Addiction is, like, it, it was disruptive enough to his life that I think that we can, like, classify it as, like, sure. a, an addiction yeah, they do portray or it a character in that trait. way. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, in, in the sense of, like, uh, disruption, I think mm-hmm. that it was absolutely disruptive, and part of their emotional journey of, like, things holding them back is that he was uh, very interested in Salvia. <laughs> sure, yeah. So they are just uh, going through just being guys. And uh, at one point, the Bay of Tunisia is is coming, and they're like, oh, he's this guy who has all these followers on Instagram. We need to pitch him our stupid video game idea. And uh, he's going to give us a lot of money to make it. So Yeah. Which, their idea here is, they call it Skintendo, and it's like, you wear a suit... And it's like black exploitation, but it's like the game is black exploitation. Yeah. Um, but the suit itself, so it's the suit is controlled by someone else. So you're in. A well, no, v- that's the bonus feature. Oh, yeah. Oh, that, that's that's a friend. whole plot okay. point. That's a friend control. So it's thing. basically a VR suit, and the yeah. game is like a black exploitation game, which is but like uh, you wear the suit. So I guess it's like you're punching in the suit. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like a weird VR thing. It's yeah. not like totally fleshed out. It like it it doesn't necessarily make sense. Um And in case you're unaware, all three of the, these actors are very white. Yeah, which makes it like already have aged poorly. I think it only came out like last year. I think it came out in 2018. Yeah. Um but It's hard to say it's aged poorly. It's just odd. It was just done poorly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and I think we're going to get into this more later, but it raises up, like, is it a choice to make the characters very kind of stupid about race? Or is it, like, the creators of the movie being stupid about race? I think this movie makes it hard to tell. Yeah, it is, because there's such a blurry line between, like, creator and character. Because, I mean, like, these people made these roles for themselves. Yeah. yeah, I think especially like in a movie like this where it's that style. Well, like, like you said, like the the actors essentially made the roles for themselves. So there's is this like super weird blurring between actor and character. Whereas like in a more sort of like clearly dramatic film, I think we'd be more comfortable with the idea that the character can be racist or misogynist or whatever, but the actor is just playing the character. But in this style of movie that's like a harder line to draw sometimes yeah and they do i think not with that in particular but with other kind of uh controversial themes or like themes about identity they do make an attempt to explore them um that is done with varying effectiveness i think but that one in particular they really don't go back to it's just kind of like yeah it's sort of like tossed out there and they just like kind of forget about it yeah so let's let's keep on going through the movie, and then I'm sure we'll get back to some of this right. later. Because <laughs> there's, there's a lot to unpack. <laughs> there is. There's a lot to unpack. So uh, they get up, and they do, in fact, manage to pitch it. And the Bay of Tunisia mm-hmm. is like, oh, I, I like it. Here's a check for, like, $200,000. Like, go live your dreams. Like, awesome. And then um, the guy who he is with, he's called a butler. He's not, like, a butler. Well, that's the joke. They keep yeah, saying that he's they keep the butler, him but he's butler. actually just, like, the personal assistant. Yeah. And uh, he just kind of takes the check and is like, no, like, go f- fuck off. Oh, and they're waiters at this point. It's like, I wasn't sure if they had just, like, stolen waiter stuff and were going to do it or they were, like, enlisted to be waiters. I got the impression, so, so there was that scene where they're talking to the um, manager of the hotel and he's like, it's going to be all hands on debt. So I kind of took it as, I don't know, it sort of felt like this luxury hotel had like four people working there. So I guess they just wear a lot of hats. Yeah, and one of them was up for manager, which does become important later. Um, There is, uh, she is definitely their boss, like the boss of the main character trio, but she is like wanting a higher uh, like manager position. Which is unclear what that higher manager position is because we only ever see like the four people, and then, like, the security guard who was killed Yeah, it's, it almost seems like, because it seems like she's in, in between the trio and uh, his name is Mitch. Well, her name is Cassie. So she's in between, like, our main character trio and Mitch. And uh, she's like, I want that higher position. But it, it just sort of seems like she would maintain the same position in the hierarchy just like the name of what she would be doing a better title maybe yeah unless she unless there were like multiple of mitch's job and she was like going for one of them but that wasn't like i I think what we're supposed to take it as is that there's like a whole sort of like unseen hierarchy of different people 
that are just not in the movie because we don't care about them. Right. But Cassie and Mitch kind of like drive the B plot of politics at this yeah. hotel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, yeah. So uh, Mitch like agrees with this personal assistant that uh, in fact they should not have this check and he ushers them away. And then uh, we see a bunch of like armed guards come to the hotel and they kill like the hotel security that's there they start locking down the building and then they go up and they're starting to demand uh, a bunch of money from the bay of tunisia hmm. and uh where is... bay is apparently i don't think tunisia has like royalty or anything i so i looked this up and they did at one point okay have bays i could not figure out I do not know anything about Tunisia, I have to say. Uh, I could not figure out if there was still a Bay of Tunisia, but that was, like, the name of the royalty in Tunisia was the Bay of Tunisia. So there was a little bit of something authentic there? Yeah. I don't know that the Bay of Tunisia is, like, Instagram famous if there is a Bay of Tunisia. That would be maybe too... That's where you start to get into, like, the sort of libel territory, if that were a thing. Right. Um... And, and the Bay of Tunisia, he's, like, a young guy. He's not, like, an older guy. He's, like, a young, fun, like... Yeah, that's, like, the gag here yeah. is that he's, like, this influencer Instagram guy, sort of, like, if you watch, like, the Firefest documentaries that have come right. out, kind of, like, some of the people involved in that, where yeah. he just, like, he likes, you know, strippers and drinking and probably, like, cocaine and speedboats, like, that kind of thing. Right. Yeah, he he's just he's just real into this, and he basically is spending half the movie just like fucking with his personal assistant. Like, yeah, this is just like his favorite game is just like messing with this guy. So, um, you know, the trio of main characters get ushered away. They're they're in an elevator when this all kind of goes down, and um, Mitch is confronted by the new security who have come in armed to uh to take the Bay of Tunisia hostage. And what ends up happening is not that Mitch gets killed. He, uh, Irma, the, like, very stereotypical, like, German assassin woman, um, cuts off his penis and just, like, chucks it somewhere. Yeah, because he's coming onto her, see? Yeah, he's coming onto her. Poetic justice or something. There was a swing and a miss there. <laughs> I think it was supposed to be, like, a hashtag, like, girl power moment. Yeah, I think that they were like, oh, this is gonna be, like, gifable. But, so, there is, like, male full frontal nudity in this. Yes. Like, yeah, so... Uh, and not really female. No, there, there's no female nudity, yeah, I don't there's, think. Like, yeah, there's, like, no... Like women's there's a breasts lot or anything, of dicks, but there are a lot of dicks in this movie. Yeah. Which, um, I guess, is progressive? I have thoughts on that, which okay. we will get okay. to. <laughs> um, so she cuts off his dick, and it is important that she just sort of throws it somewhere, yeah. and he's left to presumably like bleed out. And, and this happens, I, I want to emphasize how on screen this happens, that like, it's not like a like, it's not, like, implied. It's like we see this No, dick. we, like, she, like, is holding it in her hand. Yeah. And, like, throws it like it's, yeah. like, a rubber penis. There's, like, nothing left <laughs> to the imagination. Yeah, nothing at all. And uh, so then they get all mad at her because she's, like, ruined the, the mission or something. Which is, like, weird because no one sees it. 
but then someone does see it. It's our tree of heroes. Like the elevator door opens, and the, and then they see it, mm-hmm. and then they get like less mad at Irma somehow, <laughs> and just sort of go and take everyone hostage. But um, this trio of heroes is like trying to get into the elevator shaft. There's a gag where like they're waiting for the elevator to come down. The elevator door opens. And you're they here being like the the armed guys yeah. who are like trying to kill the heroes. Yeah. The elevator door opens and they're like, oh shit, like they made it into the elevator shaft and then like they run away and the next elevator door opens and it's, and it's, our, them. it's yeah. them still trying to open the elevator shaft so they just can't like get yeah. out. And uh, so then they go... This is the scene of the movie. So I watched this movie actually when it came out. I, oh, here's really? Here's some backstory. Yes. I So I wanted to do this movie because I had already seen it. Um, I So I'm a writer, in case people did not know who are listening. And I like to write about movies. So even if I don't have an article in mind, I'll sometimes just like take notes about movies. And... When I was just watching this movie, I had to stop and rewind the scene about 20 times and take a bunch of notes on it. And that is why I wanted to talk about it, because I never did make an article about it, but I really wanted to uh, talk about this scene in particular because it is so much. So they go and they hide into a (laughs) hotel room and uh, they're like, oh... We, we gotta hide because people are like trying to come out and they're like it's the armed guards who are going to kill us Adam Divine who, Alex he, uh, he decides that how he is going to hide is he's going to go into the closet and pretend that he has died from autoerotic asphyxiation so he like puts a belt around his neck pulls his pants down and he's just in the closet and and like you do see everything like there's no like his shirt isn't like just long enough like it's just his dick is out and he has his hand on his dick and the other two just hide behind the bed like they don't they don't make this look like an elaborate scene so he's just in the closet and the other two so the two armed guards come in and uh they're like I forget what exactly their goal is entering this room, but they open up. Well, the they're closet. trying to find these three and like. Oh, take is that them what out. they're doing? Okay, so they're yeah. trying to find them. They open up the closet. They see Alex, and they're like, "Oh man, this is getting me going." And they start making out, and you find out that these two armed guards are are, are a couple. These two yeah. men, and uh, they fall onto the bed, and they're like, uh, you know, making out whatever. And these three are like, oh, we'll go and we'll pull the covers over them and hold the covers down and we'll just, like, beat them with mm-hmm. everyone what they're beating them with. But they execute that plan and they end up accidentally killing one of the guards in the process. And the other guard gets very upset about this, like, oh, you've killed, like, yeah. you know, my yeah. boyfriend and all this stuff. <laughs> and importantly, as they're like getting into bed, they're talking about like, oh, this is like our last score and then we're going to like yeah, retire they're gonna, like, retired. and like get a beachside villa or whatever. It's like very much like trying to, in a comedic way, sort of like pull on your heartstrings a little bit for right. these like characters that were only just introduced like five minutes ago. Right. So, um... <laughs> 
So they they attempt to so they do this, uh, accidentally killing one of the guards. The other one gets very angry and goes after them. And Ada and like Alex's dick is swinging wildly everywhere yeah. through the whole scene, and uh, they end up sort of accidentally killing the other guard. And it's a lot. It's it's probably only a couple minutes, but it definitely sticks with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's one of those scenes that, like, you imagine, like, some, like they came up with this scene. Well, it's one of those scenes where it's at least possible, like, the whole movie started with they had this with idea. With just this scene, yeah. And then they just, like, spun it out into a movie. And this is, like, really early in the movie, too. This is, like, in the first half hour of the movie. It might be, like, at the half hour. I think hour. it's around the half hour mark. That's what feels right to me. And it doesn't really have to do a lot with the rest of the plot, but it just sticks with you. Yeah. Um... So then they start getting this sort of uh, bad idea together that they're going to... Well, importantly, Alex this whole time is being like, oh, Darren and Joel, you're the idea guys. Like, Darren will come up with a plan, Joel will build it, and then I'll execute it to the best of my abilities. And uh, Darren and Joel are getting increasingly frustrated with this, and it comes Alex- out is a huge dumbass. Yeah, Alex is a huge dumbass. They don't seem to even particularly like him, and you find out that they have been working on Skintendo, like, on their own. Like, they have a prototype ready. And uh, that actually comes out a little bit earlier, like, during the actual pitch, but we forgot about it because everything else is just so dumb, and there's so much going on. There's a lot to unpack in this movie. We'll miss a few things, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, So they go, and uh, despite their best efforts to not make a plan, Darren and Joel create a plan to, like, link extension cords and ride a uh, ironing table to the next building. Like, go and, like, grappling hook over to the next building. And uh, they start to do this, but it turns out that the guard that they thought they killed originally wasn't actually dead. He was uh, he was alive, and he starts messing with the plan, basically. So they're, like, suspended between these two buildings, and they see, like, the police coming and all sorts of stuff. The, the you know, whole apparatus starts to break down. They end up uh, breaking it and swinging into the main headquarters room where the bad guys are set up. And They have a hacker in there. They have a hacker yeah. who is supposed to be a character from Die Hard whose name I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. He is, like, the guy on the outside, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and they, they even directly reference that he is they do. Yeah, basically they just that, that character. Um, so they end up uh, killing him. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, they, they take his phone and they end up dialing the personal assistant and they're like, oh, wait, but, like, why does he have the bad guy's phone number? Like, why do the bad guys have his phone number? And then upstairs we see with the Bay of Tunisia that it's becoming increasingly obvious that the personal assistant is actually with the bad guys. Because the bad guys are just, mm-hmm. like, very obviously turning a blind eye to this guy's phone yeah. when they've confiscated everyone else's phone. And they work in here, like, a super weird thing. where They, they had, like, the running gag that, like, the guy who's the personal assistant, they keep saying he's the butler. Mm-hmm. And then they do the gag. It's like, oh, the butler did it. Yeah. Which, like, I feel like those two jokes don't layer that way. Yeah. Like, it's kind of almost a joke to keep calling the personal assistant a butler. Yeah. And it's kind of, I guess, a joke to be like, oh, the butler did it. If the guy was a butler. 
But he wasn't a butler. But he wasn't a butler. <laughs> he was a personal assistant. He didn't really yeah. look or act like a butler in any meaningful way. No. In any case. So uh, this is also where all the celebrity cameos start coming in. So they kill various celebrities. They kill, like, Donald Faison, like, uh, Steve-O from Jackass, uh, Joel McHale. Yeah. Who is, <laughs> like, the weirdest addition. And I'm like, I'm, like, watching it, like... Was this just to advertise that Joel McHale had a show on Netflix? Like, <laughs> or were they trying to do yeah. some cross promotion? And the thing with Joel McHale is that he's always just playing Joel McHale. Yeah, and and I mean this is part of the joke, right? That they actually are these celebrities. So like, you know, Donald. Oh, was that how I was supposed to be reading it? I mean, they literally call them like you know Steve-O, like. <sighs> They're literally supposed okay. to be themselves. Okay. Because... I miss that 100%. No. Well, I mean, that's like Donald Faison was like, you know, I'll get you Stacey Dash's number. Like... <laughs> See, the problem is I don't know who any celebrities are or anything about celebrity No, culture. they were supposed to be okay, themselves. Okay. Or, like, or like Steve-O was like, oh, you can come out now, Knoxville. Like, you know. Okay. Okay. I thought that was just a jackass reference without it is because steve-o was on jackass yeah yeah Yeah. okay Okay. this is all (laughs) coming together now this movie if you can't tell is not very funny (laughs) it has it has like moments that sort of have the shape of humor yeah and like i guess i laugh so basically they're saying if we don't get our demands we're going to kill a hostage every 15 Mm -hmm. minutes and uh, that is where all the celebrity cameos come in. Like, they make, like, Joel McHale fight to the death. Um, oh, and a dog does die in this movie. Uh, yeah. If you, like, care about that sort of thing. I know there's, like, websites dedicated to it. Like, if the dog dies that you can, like, yeah. check before you watch a movie. The dog does die. Pretty brutally, actually. Yeah, like, I was surprised. Unnecessarily. I, so. I didn't think that it was, like, really going to happen. Um, because it's, like, a cute little dog. It's just, like, a little chihuahua. And uh, they, like, explode the dog. Yeah. And it's uh, this very sad part where, like, they make um, the bay do this, like, very intense, uh, like, physical, you know. Well, they make him do, like, a wall sit. Yeah, like, a very, very deep wall sit. And if he, like, falls out of it, then um, then the detonator will be set yeah. off, basically. And they end up kicking his feet out from under yeah. him. And it's, like, really sad. Yeah. And I, I don't know, it was, like, sort of dark for such a weird, like, slapsticky movie. But, yeah. um, so anyway, uh, they're, they're going, the trio of heroes, uh, Alex, Darren, and Joel are going through trying to save all the hostages who've now gone from the rooftop party to the conference room. Mm-hmm. And, um... Cassie is trying to keep everyone calm. Oh, important thing about Cassie. So she and Irma, the like, well, it's a joke that she's not actually German, but she's like, she speaks with a German accent the whole time. Um, Got to keep appearances. Yeah. Like, I keep that trope, but make fun of it for some reason. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Irma says to her, uh, if you want respect, you have to take it. And she's been kind of like stewing over this the whole movie. And uh, she... uh, She's starting to object to the people who are taking them hostage. Um, and meanwhile, our trio of heroes has this, like, weird idea that they're going to uh, burn a bunch of salvia that they find out that Alex has been growing in one of the hotel rooms because he is homeless and is living at the hotel. And uh, 
he finds out along the way that Joel and Darren are, like, making a skintendo without him. So he decides just, like, be an asshole about it and not bring the extension cord that they need to, like, make this whole plan work. Which that's, like, the type of move, like, an 11-year-old makes. Right. And that's sort of, like, uh, Adam Devine's, like, character type. Even in, like, Workaholics, he, like, does things like that. Yeah, like, very Um, petty. They're all basically playing their characters from Workaholic with the exception of Blake Anderson. Like, Darren, or not Darren, Joel, rather, is, like, pretty different from his Workaholics character, whereas, like... Adam Devine's character is, like, exactly his workaholic's okay, character. Okay. Um, but, uh, so that plan fails, but they do manage to burn a bunch of the salvia, which knocks out Irma. She gets, like, a face full of it. And the other guard that she is with is like, oh, I'm going to get revenge, whatever that means, and draws, like, dicks on her face and stuff like that. As, and as you marker. do when you're in the middle of a high stakes heist yeah and he's like taking pictures of it and she uh sort of comes to in the middle of this and ends up killing him and like shooting the phone um but this is important because she has all of that drawn all over her face uh and so uh the guys are like trying to figure out another plan and the guy that they tried the guard that they tried to kill in the first place comes back and he's like oh you killed my boyfriend so he takes them into a massage parlor and uh, attaches them to the beds and, like, again, like, unnecessarily brutally, I think, for, like, the tone of this movie, attaches, like, um, little electric shock patches to their, like, necks and faces and, like, shocks them and then uh, wraps, like, the big lava stones that you do for, like, the hot stone treatments in a towel and is, like, beating them with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is something that I'm just like, oh my goodness, like, that's, like, something that causes permanent damage. Yeah, that's, not, that's not, like, slapstick yeah, at all. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there's a moment where he's talking to them and they're like, oh, we're sorry we killed your friend. And he's like, my friend, you sound like my dad. <laughs> Which I actually did think was pretty funny. I kind of yeah. liked that line. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but so they end up uh, figuring out a plan and they end up actually killing this guy. And yeah. they're like, oh, you know what we should do? We should put him in the Skintendo suit. He's already dead. It doesn't matter if he gets shot. And they hook up a Skintendo suit from, like, random stuff they can find in the hotel gift shop. Um, And they just sort of go to town. So he goes in and they're controlling it. And uh, through the friend thing where, like, you're controlling Mm -hmm. it with a controller that they talked about that uh, Darren and Joel had worked on separately from Alex, they go in to do this. And he's getting shot up. The bad guys aren't understanding why he's not dying. But the whole battery pack apparatus, like, overheats and he catches on fire. So, um, Joel, through this whole movie, I don't know if we mentioned this yet, just from the sheer amount of content that this movie gives us in an hour and 40 minutes. But Joel is, uh, well, not struggling with his sexuality, but struggling to come out to his friends. Yeah. So it's, like, like very much set up. Like, it's obvious Joel is gay and, like not coming out like in the closet right he's like um really super over adjusting uh to be like oh i like women there's Mm -hmm. a line at the beginning where like you can tell this movie's from 2018 where they're talking about the movie moonlight and he's like i don't like moonlight la la land is my movie 
<laughs> which is a joke that only works in 2018 and even then not really yeah um so he comes out to them and they're like yeah we know every time you get drunk you come out to us and he's just like oh okay and joel also doesn't want to carry guns the whole movie even though he like ends up killing a bunch of people throughout the movie he doesn't want to carry a gun so they're like, Joel, get behind us. We'll go in with guns and stop all the bad guys. And they do that. But Irma, the assassin lady, like interrupts it. And Joel, being a gay man, is the only one who can take on this woman, I guess. <laughs> and they end up fighting. It's like um, gay karate almost. It's extremely weird. Yeah, he ends up like sort of accidentally killing her. And, um,. They manage to free the hostages and everyone else. And, and also his transition to openly gay is he, like, goes from, like, a man bun to, like, just long hair. Yeah, he just pulls his hair down. Yeah. Um, he does that and everyone's freed. And Cassie, the hotel worker who, like, wanted the other, like, the higher manager position, like, goes to Mitch, like, oh, did I get it? Oh, also Mitch is alive. He comes in, like, yeah. with his we, Well, we get, like, a Chekhov's hand. penis. Yeah. Where it's, like, Mitch comes in and, like, throws his dick at someone, I think. He throws it at Cassie, who catches it, and he's like, put this on ice for me. And she starts, like, gesticulating with it. She starts, like, making her point with it. And then she's like, no, I won't do it. Like, you give me my position and all this stuff. And he ends up agreeing to give it to her, and she just yeets it, like, (laughs) somewhere else. That's the end of that, I guess. <laughs> but uh, they go out and this guy comes up to me. He's like, oh, like, we should make a movie of, or not a movie, a video game mm-hmm. about all of this. And they're like, oh, it's our dream, a video game. Mm-hmm. Let's, like, ignore the other game we made originally. They're like, yeah, sure. Like, and they're naming um, all the different people who will play them. And I, I remember that there was Sean Astin and Cara Delevingne. And I forget who the third guy was. But uh, then we, like, fast forward to the game has come out. It's super successful. So it's, like, this Nintendo system has become super mm-hmm. successful. And they're on a boat. And, like, you see that Joel is very comfortable in his sexuality mm-hmm. because he has straight hair now. He is straightening his mm-hmm. hair. And uh, they're, they're having and a he's party. he's, like, mildly sexually harassing men now. Yeah. And uh, Darren has moved from salvia to cocaine. And, <laughs> yeah, step up. Yeah, and Alex is basically the same, except yeah. that presumably he has a home now. And then, uh, like, and then, like, you see uh, pirates coming towards the ship, and it's like, you know, game over man to game overboard. Yeah, which yeah. I don't think is a real movie. No, I hope to God. And I think that they were like kind of betting on like, oh, people like love the movie and like demand we make game overboard, but it was not good enough to no. merit that. So that's the movie. That's the movie. Which took a really long time because there's just like, I mean, we really do try to like cut these down, but there's just so much. And, like, I will say a lot of the stuff, like, really genuinely does have a payoff, which, like, maybe there should have been fewer things going on. Yeah. This movie, yeah. Like, it definitely follows the sort of, like, set-up payoff structure, but the payoffs are sometimes... But, but like, almost to, like, a ludicrous level where, like, stuff that really didn't seem like a setup and needed no payoff gets a payoff. Like, Like, the deck. Yeah. Like... We didn't need Mitch literally coming back, holding his dick, and, like, 
waving at people. But yet here we are. <laughs> we got it. <laughs> Can I um talk about the dick? Actually? Okay, talk about the dick. Um, so that was something that I actually took notes on to the first time I watched this movie. I noticed this, uh, increase in like agency and aggressiveness in the female characters when they possessed the disembodied penis. So like Irma, yeah, well, like at the beginning when Irma is like at her most badass, it's because she's like, I mean, she is like pretty nerfed the rest of the movie, but right at the beginning when, um, you know, he's hitting on her and she's like grabs and just like slices it Mm -hmm. off. That's like kind of a cool moment. It like tells us a little bit about Irma, Mm -hmm. stuff like that. And then Cassie finally like, you know, gets her respect and takes it, like, when she has a penis, which is, like, so Freudian Mm -hmm. that I'm, like, could we make this a little bit less literal? (laughs) And it also, like, brings a weird layer of, like, misogyny to the film, I think, which is something I was really struck by, was, like, the film was, like, at times uncomfortably misogynistic. Yeah. Um, Well, I mean, that, this is, like, circling back to what I mentioned earlier, where, like, I definitely think the portrayal... Like, we have a lot of misogynistic characters in this movie. Right. Like, the Bay of Tunisia is clearly misogynistic. Right. Um, Mitch is, like, very misogynistic. Right. Our trio... I'm trying to remember. They don't really do anything. They're kind of, like, benign in all of this. Yeah. Um, They... I think that the ending where, like, you know, they're all just standing around with, like, Irma and Joel fighting, I think is, like, almost sort of emasculating to Joel and also, like, just this really weird, like, we're not going to take this character that was set up as, like, the badass assassin seriously, yeah, which yeah. has other implications when uh, it's it's a woman. Yeah, and that's clearly the movie being misogynistic. Right. I think it... Kind but of the is. characters themselves, um, we see them kind of like Alex, especially like dabbling in like pornography and stuff like that, yeah. which, uh, which you know is is already like a really complicated trope that they don't explore. But um, definitely, there's a lot of misogynistic characters, Mitch especially. Yeah, and I mean, he's not, the most obvious. Yeah, and that's not like paid off at all. I mean, like he respects Cassie when. She has a dick and she is like screaming at him yeah. in like a super masculine way where he doesn't respect femininity at all. That's not yeah. like an like, like he respects journey. Cassie when she becomes more masculine. Right. Which is not a good message. Yeah. And that's also this movie sort of has a habit of very like every time it starts to set up something that feels kind of like a theme, it kind of just cuts that shit off at the knees yeah because even when it has cassie kind of like very strong air quotes like nut up yeah (laughs) like it doesn't do anything and in fact it comes across kind of silly because she an unarmed woman is like waving a dick and yelling at armed men and they ignore her right and then the day is saved by some men with guns fix things and a gay guy fights a german woman assassin i guess yeah, so that's, like, the strange thing about the movie, and also, I think, something that, um, not just this movie, but a lot of movies have to think about, where, like, representation isn't enough. Yeah. It's not enough to have, um, 
a world where you know you have assassins who everyone just sort of like accepts are gay like to, to varying degrees accepts are gay and like you have female characters like you actually have to be smart with it and like do stuff with it yeah you yeah, can't yeah. just like be like let's give her a dick and then that's the end of her emotional journey because that's that's not the thing yeah. though is it that's sort of the opposite yeah. of what she was going for this movie feels i mean i'm a dude but this movie just feels like the type of movie that is written by a bunch of dudes. Right. Um, Which is accurate. <laughs> yeah. Like, there just is no female perspective. Like, there's female characters. Yeah. And they kind of gesture in the direction of, like, female empowerment. But it doesn't feel like it actually has anything to say. It's sort of like a walking advertisement for, like... This is why you should have more diverse, like, writing staff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you feel like this movie, I mean, like, this would have made it good, but, like, having, like, a woman in the room when they're coming up with this stuff might have, like, at least made it more interesting. Yeah, and I was reading about the movie, and, like, a lot of the parts of the movie did not test super well with audiences, okay. but Netflix is like, go for it, man. And I think that it was an attempt... So, like, especially when you look at, um, you know, the queer characters, there was definitely an attempt yeah. to, like, say something and explore that, which I do appreciate, but you also have to do that well. Yeah. Well, that's so... Something I kind of want to talk about. So, like, not long ago, we had the thing with, like, Todd Phillips um, saying that, oh, he can't do comedy anymore because people will, like, get too upset over it, like, cancel culture and all that. Yeah. This movie came out before that. So it's not yeah. like a response to it, but in my head, it all, I almost like was watching with that like a little bit in mind. Yeah, well, Todd Phillips, who's the guy from the Hangover movies, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Workaholics is a really like hang, like I, I think I even wrote my second watch through, like this is like a Hangover style of movie. This is like, you know, a, a, an early two thousands like dude comedy. Yeah, the difference to the Hangover is like. It's, it's really like, funny. Yeah. Or at least to me, maybe it's like I saw it at the right time of my life. But like, yeah, I think I still find is, is definitely like <laughs> smarter in a yeah. lot of aspects, but it, it comes hangover's... from the same vein, I think. Yeah. Uh, I think like part of what differentiates is the hangover feels like sharper. Yeah. Like the characters are more sharply drawn and like their flaws are more carefully like pointed at right whereas this movie like it had flawed characters but the movie didn't like have anything to say about those flaws yeah whereas something like the hangover i think is a little bit smarter and i mean plenty of people hate the hangover and think it's like misogynistic and like fair enough yeah um but i, I do think the hangover at least was a little bit smarter about when it, it had something to say about its characters and kind of like showed you their problems rather than just like expecting them to be funny without really having anything to add yeah and like i don't know i wish that this movie would have like tried to build on that and try to say something about that versus like just making if die hard and the hangover had a baby because i think that that's <laughs> like i mean that sort of thing isn't interesting unless you have an interesting perspective and i don't yeah, think that that yeah. interesting perspective was really here yeah yeah i think that's exactly right um and what i sort of was thinking about too in that regard is like the movie clearly is aiming for kind of like a shock comedy style yeah i mean like with stuff like all the dicks we see and like 
a character literally being like, I'm going to set a trap by pretending to have killed myself through autoerotic asphyxiation, like that kind of thing. Right. Like, it's clearly like shock comedy. I think like as time has gone on, the main like defenders of that style of comedy tend to be more right wing. Right. Or at least are like very critical of like PC culture and cancel culture. Right. Whereas this movie like was clearly coming from that shock comedy tradition. Yeah. But like the feeling was it strongly wanted to associate itself with something a little bit woker. Yeah, which again they didn't do super well. Yeah. Yeah, and it yeah, they didn't do it well. I think the answer to that is they should probably should have had like like more diverse perspectives in the room. Yeah. But like I think the movie was but setting aside like the fact they kind of sucked at it, like it's interesting to me that the movie feels like an attempt to say that we can be like woke and have like representation while still doing like some shock comedy shtick. Yeah, and I think that it's definitely possible to do that. Like, I think that there mm-hmm. is room for it. Um, I don't know that the people who will be the best at doing that will be, like, a group of white dudes. Like some white dudes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> fully agreed. Um, but it sort of, like, made me want to see what, like, a more diverse group like, of like people... Like a queer shot comedy. Yeah, like, like, I want to see them, like, take on this, like, very crude, like, unsubtle quasi slapstick and a lot of just like here's a dick have fun like kind of like crude unsubtle humor i want to s- i don't know i want to see what that looks like from a woker perspective right because i think that part of what they didn't get to was in trying to make this cast more diverse they weren't keeping in mind that part of that like hangover like shot comedy type of thing is all about like punching up so um usually in those types of movies like the conflict is like you know these middle class everyman going against these like complex either social systems or like Mm -hmm. economic systems Mm -hmm. um but in this movie we get this punching down like when we see irma who is really like one of the like probably the female character with the most screen time come in and she has like a dick drawn on her face and like you know like all these things like written all over her and she looks silly and they're just like oh like the gay guy can get her and it turns into a slap fight yeah so that that turns into a weird like punching down yeah and it's, it's weird because like in the context of the movie she's like the elite badass assassin right so like there's like an element of like they're the everyman and she's like the elite assassin so it's like punching up but it's like different when she's your female representation right because we also have Cassie, but again, Cassie, she doesn't get as much screen time. Um, and she's mainly the butt of the joke. Yeah. And and her, like, her conclusion is that she gets a penis. <laughs> yeah. And, and once again, like, even when she, like, speaks up and, like, sort of takes charge, I'm using scare, scare quotes here, like, she, what she does is she, like, yells completely ineffectively and like looks pretty stupid doing it at least i thought 
Yeah, I, I think she does too. She looks like really silly. She looks like a little kid. Who yeah, is yeah, like, yeah. You know, standing up to dad like, I will not stand for this. Like, yeah, like it wasn't cool actually. It's not like cool and good. It's just like everyone is kind of like taken aback like, whoa, Cassie, like where did that come from? It's not like, she's not taking respect. She's just yeah. sort of yelling at people. And you're meant to like assume that Cassie is a pretty good manager except she doesn't have enough power. So what yeah. she needed was more power which is why she wanted this higher position but i mean is she just going to sort of like scream at people now because that's also not a good resolution yeah like she didn't do anything smart and she didn't do anything like constructive she just yelled um so let's talk about the scene tm the scene tm okay the scene um so the scene i'm talking about is the one where uh they're fighting the two guards in the hotel room yeah uh, there is a lot going on in this scene. There are, uh, many themes happening. Um, uh, I, I, what I thought was interesting was sort of this, like, uh, retention of masculinity. So they, so they clearly did think about this. Um, they kind of, uh... Well, you can look at this in a couple different ways. You can either say that Alex is emasculated because he is pantsless, or he is very masculine because you see everything going on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I think that there is just so much to unpack. But um, the the guys who come in, the couple that comes in, they do have a lot of masculinity. They're both Mm -hmm. this, like these very like typical very big dudes they're, like, they're dude really dudes, adept yeah. at fighting yeah. um they only die through like a somewhat accidental means yeah yeah um and uh it, it's interesting it's it's like an attempt to get the audience laughing but they are clearly trying to not have you laughing at the fact that they are a gay couple or like yeah you're not supposed to be laughing at their queerness um but i think that in a way you are because like part of what is going on there is just like the absolute absurdity of all of it yeah yeah so i think that if you look at like the way that scene is put together i i think what they're going for is that them being gay is not the joke right but it does make the scene very uncomfortable yeah and it is like very weird yeah. And it's not what you're expecting, like, even remotely. Yeah. So. And uncomfortable due to, like, the sort of, like, graphicness, the fact that they go to, like, zero to 60. Yeah. With, like, well, sexuality. That too, yeah. And that's something where, like, if the scene had been done with, like, a man and a woman, it would feel very different. Because it would start to feel more, like, gratuitous and almost, like, pornographic. Yeah. And, like, you'd have, like jokes about like the characters trying not to get like a boner or whatever which we actually get a yeah. little bit with uh joel anyway <laughs> yeah and like you know that sort of happens in horror like it is a trope where straight couples will go off and like have sex and die but that's like an excuse that you see someone's boobs you know yeah and this movie does have like a weird almost slasher movie approach to how it kills a lot of these bad guys off right which almost reminded me of like uh tucker and dale versus evil yeah it's definitely like that's a good movie we won't do that (laughs) one on the show i like that movie that's pretty good movie yeah but it's like the same idea but worse but it's like where the main characters aren't really 
killing people for the most part, but people just kind of keep dying in right. like increasingly like wacky ways. Right. That are like sort of horrific, sort of funny, like and like not really plausible, but like entertaining, I guess. Right. And like I think that again, this is done with the same like sort of lack of care behind the scenes mm-hmm. that the rest of the movie is done in. That's a good um, way to put it, I think. So I, I really do, like, you can feel them really trying here, mm-hmm. but um, there's a lot of, like, mixed messages going on. It's like, oh, well, don't laugh at their sexuality, laugh at the absurdity of it, but those are so closely intertwined yeah, that yeah. they're really hard to pick apart, which I think yeah. would have, you know, really helped if they would have had um, other people <laughs> involved in the making of yeah. this movie. Yeah, I, I think that's right. And there is, like... Especially with Joel, um, a very strange emotional journey where you go from having these queer characters be like ultra masculine to at the end you have like a literal emasculating of Joel. Like at the end he wants his like video game character to be played by a woman. Mm -hmm. Um, He fights the woman and kills her. Yeah. After like the whole movie having I think like the highest kill count which I think again was them making an attempt. Yeah. But And and I do think it's strong to say because it's not really presented as emasculating. Because that's like that implies that it's like bad or embarrassing or something. No. And it's definitely Sorry go ahead. No and I say emasculating as you know not like a bad thing mm-hmm. but as a transition from masculinity to femininity yeah yeah that's definitely there but it's definitely very they do take enough care i think to portray that as like a moment of empowerment for this character even if some of the other stuff going on is weird and the implications get strange yeah. it is definitely framed as empowerment not as like disempowerment well, I, I actually don't know about that because, okay. like, when they go and burst into the room, they literally say, like, okay, Joel, you get in the back. Like, and it's because, like, they set up pretty early on that Joel doesn't want to, like, carry mm-hmm. around guns. But it is also really strange to me that, that, you know, he comes out and he has this moment. It's kind of brushed off, which I think is an attempt to, like, normalize um, yeah. queerness, which I think, again, is, like, a good attempt. It, it comes from a good place. But then they're like, okay, Joel, stand behind us while we wipe everyone mm-hmm. else out. And I think that that's very odd. I mean, they, they do that, but then Joel is like, no, it's fine. I'm gay. I can do what I want. And there's like a sort yeah. of like like that, you know, vine or whatever. It's like, move, I'm gay. Like, he definitely yeah. has like that energy in that scene. Which has uh, that vine in isolation is fine, but it kind of comes from a lot of problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Joel is like a really complicated character. It is, like, interesting that that's when he becomes empowered to fight. But he had also been, like, fighting the rest of the movie. I think that that would have been a better payoff if he hadn't, like, fought and killed many, many characters Mm. along the way. Um, Yeah. And I think it's strange that this big, like, boss battle is a woman and everyone else just sort of stands aside and like let him do his thing because if he was like fighting off a bunch of a bunch of like people coming at him all at once while also fighting irma i think that that could have been like really interesting and cool but i mean we see everyone literally just sort of like make a circle around them and watch and then they use this as the determining factor of like if they win or not 
which yeah. is like a weird departure from what they had been doing the whole movie. Yeah, it was it was odd. I guess when it happened, like I read it as like they didn't want to shoot because they might hit him, but like that's more thoughtful than the rest of the movie was about guns. <laughs> Yeah. The rest of the movie, people were just like, wow. I mean, there's a lot of gags about people like, just like the kickback hung hold down just the like, trigger and yeah, just yeah. spray and pray and just like magically. Yeah, it's Alex fine. especially like practices really unsafe uh, <laughs> gun practices. Like he like is just sort of like pretending to shoot, like pointing it at his friends and stuff like that, yeah. or he like accidentally pushes the trigger. Um, and there's a whole scene built around them like deliberately shooting near each other to fuck with each other yeah <laughs> which we didn't talk about again because there is so much going on this is one uh this is one movie that we skipped enough that you may have to like actually watch it if you want the full extent of like what game over man is about yeah which is um not an endorsement. not that i would recommend it no i wouldn't recommend it. it's not an endorsement <laughs> of the movie but like if you were like oh i want to be a part of of this game over man conversation a year after the fact you do actually need to watch the movie you can't get by on just yeah. a synopsis but um it's so much and it's so weird yeah but i think that's a good place to wrap it up thomas that's fair um this episode will likely end up being a little bit long uh for various reasons uh do you have any like final thoughts to stick with us i guess my final thought is like i felt that this movie had a premise that could be better right and this movie had a lot of untapped potential yeah I think. like i sort of would like to see this movie but like with some more interesting people attached <laughs> to be kind of a dick about it i want to slap a big you tried on this movie yeah that's a good way that to is our it. that is our review that is our rating um they tried i'm gonna give yeah. this one so uh, other people who have listened um have pointed out that in tall girl we kind of did a watch it if you want and asked if we were going to continue to rate the movies this one I will also give a watch it if you want because I do genuinely think that there is stuff there to analyze. But if you were looking for a good movie, don't watch it. No. <laughs> I mean, I think like an attempt was made. Yeah, they tried. Yeah, they, yeah, they, they tried. tried. Yeah. Uh, game over, man. Like, see Watch effort. it if you want. <laughs> yeah, that, that, honestly, that's a good description of workaholics too is like okay. see for effort, which is what they yeah. were going for, but it's not... Um, a good artistic practice i think yeah yeah I, I hope that we have you know i hope that that paves the way for uh more shot comedies to include more diverse casts but then that also means that we have to do that like behind the camera too we can't yeah, yeah, we yeah. can't include representation without representation you know exactly, yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah thank you all for listening yeah have a uh, great day yeah sign up for audible <laughs> yeah listen to some audiobooks yeah listen to some audiobooks and also our podcast thanks very much mm -hmm. bye projectderailed.com